Smith's Falls, how you doing? I really want to know. You can't tell me here, so come tell me somewhere else. There's so many places you can come tell me. Well, right now there's two. There's Facebook and there is Instagram. That's our social media. We haven't gone anywhere else yet. We're still weighing our options. I'm going to let them compete for me. How about that? How about that? But for now, for now, we're on Facebook and we're on Instagram. You can come to our website to listen to our uh, to our podcasts, of course. And you can also find us on Google, on Spotify, and on iTunes. Of course, if you're listening to this right now, I feel like you've already picked one of those paths. So bounce out to our social media if you haven't. And if you've gone to one but not the other, then go do both. You're not on Instagram? Don't worry. It's easy to set up an account. Set up an account on Instagram or Facebook if you don't have it, and then follow us. You don't need to follow anybody else, just us. We'll give you the goods, I promise. So, I'm feeling pretty good. The weather's been good. I went out to a concert yesterday. I went out to two concerts yesterday. Two. Two concerts in one day. I went to some music, music by the basin, down by the water. I lay on the grass and let the sounds of bluegrass wash over me. Well, the feeling of green grass lay beneath me. It was glorious, folks. Hung out with friends. I hope it's over. I hope it's ending. Don't you? I'm feeling good, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Hopeful, hopeful, hopeful. I'm optimistic. Anyway, you know who I saw at that concert? I saw my friend Jordan. That was the second time I had seen him in two days because the night before, he came here to record a podcast with me. And uh, I've known Jordan for a little while now. We moved to town around the same time. He beat me here by a little bit. We've got some synergy, him and I, I think. We come from similar paths. We both really, really once loved, still do, but somewhat in our past, really extra loved heavy metal. The really heavy kind, the screamy stuff, folks. Yep, I did it. You hear that gravel in my voice? I came by it honestly through... uh, through tearing up my own vocal cords with heavy metal. And Jordan was a guitar player, and he's still a guitar player, but he switched from his electric, metalified guitar to what is known as fingerstyle acoustic guitar. But it's some great stuff. He does a project called Elmsley, uh, where he does that nice, relaxing, it's instrumental, uh, melodic, fingerstyle guitar music. I really like it. I put it on when when I'm working. It's the kind of thing you can put on and just sort of listen to when you need to get something done. In a relaxing way, I think. Anyway, this podcast isn't just about me talking. This is about me talking with other people. So, my guest this episode is Jordan Hahn. Jordan is a Smith Falls resident, a Smith Falls community contributor, a marketing professional, and a musician. And I'm very happy to have him on the show today. But right before we get to our talk with Jordan, I would like to highlight this episode's sponsors. Sponsor number one, back again, episode four to episode five, Bowie's. Have you been to Bowie's yet? Have you gone down to Bowie's? If you haven't, you should. And if you have, you should go again. I was there last night. I mentioned two concerts that I went to. That was the second one. I went and saw this Dallas Alexander show. It was great. Country music. Friday nights, folks. Friday nights at Bowie's is new music night. We're not talking cover bands here. There's a time and a place for everything. But when you are in the mood to see some original music where people go for the show, 
It's not background music, folks. You go to watch the show, and it's a great time. Two sets of music, Friday nights, every Friday. We're back. It's back, folks. Live music. Live music is back, and Bowie's is your best place in town to go see that. But they've got a lot more going on than that. A lot more music, in fact. Saturday nights is jazz night with the Beach Whalers. Sunday, they're doing uh, some yoga. Yoga, bend and brew with Jared. And then Monday and Tuesday, they're closed. Everybody needs some days of rest. Wednesday starts back up with trivia. Thursday is the open stage. And then we're back to Friday for more new music every week. Just like the concert I went to see this Friday with Dallas Alexander. And he was being accompanied by Mr. Rob McLaren. Little tie into our next sponsor of Smith's Falls Music. Rob is one of the teachers at Smith's Falls Music. Mr. Rob, I can play everything McLaren. He was joining Dallas on the lap steel and fiddle last night. But Rob plays bass. He plays piano. He sings. Things. He he's a wicked guitar player, a banjo player, a ukulele player, and he teaches most of those instruments over at Smith's Falls Music. There's some other fiddle teachers. Uh, there's some piano, other piano teachers, voice teachers. They're doing group classes, baby jams, toddler jams, piano pals, banjo fun time, group fiddling lessons. I really like the approach we've got going over here at Smith's Falls Music. It, did I mention it's right beside me in the art tub? Registration is happening now, folks, at Smith Falls Music for the fall term of lessons. And you got to call now because spot, from what I hear, spots are running out. You got a kid who wants to learn how to play the drums? Guess what? I can teach them. I'm a teacher at Smith Falls Music. How about that? Music is great for the mind. It's great for the brain. It's great for the soul. And whether you've got children and you want to get them learning or whether you've just always wanted to pick up an instrument yourself or maybe you used to and you let go of it for a while and you want to get it back, come on down. Go to smithsfallsmusic.com. You'll find everything you need there. Info on registering, info on classes. It is happening folks, music. See how this synergy works? Because you can take your skills that you learn at Smith's Falls Music and you can take them over to Thursday night's open stage at Bowie's and practice there. Start here, go there. Everybody's going to clap. Everybody's going to love it. Fun time. Nothing brings people together like music. Smith'sFallsMusic.com. Sign up and get edumacated. That's it for sponsor talk, folks into my talk with Mr. Jordan Hahn. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. I normally say welcome to the studio, but you've been, right. here, well, you've been here before. Lots of times. Lots yeah. of times. You take lessons on that piano. That there, I do. Right? Yeah. I've been slacking. I'll be honest. Uh, went on vacation and I need to get back at it, but that's what, yeah, summer, that's what hey, happened. You're, you're coming. You came to any lessons over the summer. I did by music I school did. students here. That's uh, that's not slacking. That's that's like extra credit shit, right <laughs> there. there right? Okay, most, that makes me feel better. Most of the students <laughs> they follow the school year, right? Yeah, they, true. Okay, they spend the the summer at the cottage, like I've I have been running back in town for gigs and podcasts. I got here yeah. like twenty minutes before oh, did you, you from from my cottage and <laughs> raced in and set up some microphones. Nice, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah I thought I was going to be late too. I was at a buddy. Um, he lives on carp he's got a good piece of land he's got crown land behind him nice um there's like a big quarry out there so we always go on like tour around brought the bow out just did some target shooting so that cool. was uh yeah good extremely hot out today yeah, i don't yeah, know yeah. if you knew that One but a couple days um yeah so 
I was sweating profusely, but other than that, it's a good time. My cousin lives in Carp. Yeah, it's great. Like I know me and Jose looked at that. At the same time, we were looking at buying in Smith Falls. We were also looking around that area. Yeah. Um, very pricey though, because all the I f- I feel like all the Canada Tech, mm-hmm. you know, executives, big owners, big business owners move out there and yeah, to spread out a bit. Oh yeah, yeah. And then um, yeah, it's a really nice spot. The breweries there is great too. I was there a couple weeks ago. Um, Which brewery is that? Just Ridge Carp- Rock. Ridge Rock. Ridge Rock. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I so, haven't been to that one yet. Yeah, it's it's good. Definitely recommend it. Calvin DeHaan, he's a former NHL player. Is one or no? He still plays. Sorry. Uh, he's one of the co-owners, so he's from the area. Okay. Uh, a couple other guys with him, but yeah, it's really nice, good setup, really good patio, and um, they always have music going on too back there. Mm-hmm. So, what year did you actually move? I don't think I've ever learned this. When did you get your? You live right around the corner from me. That I for do. The listeners who do not know, Jordan is actually. We haven't even told the listeners who the hell you are. <laughs> um, it's a little trickier with you because you do so many things. All my all my other guests so far have been like Amy from Say Two, right, Pat right. from Bowie's, and uh, you're certainly a, a business person in your own right, although perhaps less easily labeled. A bit all over the place. Well, I keep learning new things that you're doing. You're working on music shows. You got this. You got music projects. You uh, read a roundtable. That was news to me. I still don't even know what that's about. I didn't even know that was an organization until you mentioned it and i googled it yeah it's um they've been around for a while uh peter o runs it with a whole bunch of great volunteers mm-hmm. um i got into it because i used to volunteer for the canadian parks and wilderness society when i was in ottawa okay um they're national they've got different setups uh, in each province and then uh, moved here and i was just looking for something to you know environmentally like what could i do to just like help out a bit so we got read a round table yeah i know you used to work at tweed for a while yep um what's what's your elevator pitch how can you sum up jordan yeah jordan Hall. um i almost called you jordan elmsley because that's how i have you on my phone <laughs> so i have yeah, to remind yeah. myself that that's not your last <laughs> that's name that's funny um, Jordan Hahn, though. Who's Jordan Hahn? Who's in 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 two minutes or less? Two or minutes. More. Take your yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. time. Um, there's no, like I said, there's no rules. Take as much time as you want. But if you had to sum it up for people listening, we'll get into the details. We yeah, got all for the time sure. We need. For sure. What do, you, um, what do you do? Who are you? What do you do? Yeah. When did well, you get here? Got here. Well, I guess it's been three years now. Um, we love it here. It's been great. And, you know, for me, I work, uh, well, I was all over the place for my own career. I guess that's where you first start. But I did work at Tweed for about 10 months at the visitor center as a marketing manager there. And they decided to lay off a significant amount of people over COVID, I heard. Uh, myself included. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a great experience, but it happens. Um, off for a couple months, you know, throughout the first wave of COVID. And then uh, I got a new job as a brand and marketing manager for a real estate developer in Ottawa. Cool. So, yeah, over my career, it's been very sales, marketing uh, focused in a variety of different industries. I worked in insurance for uh, about eight years. And then I worked for the Ottawa Senators in a sales role there, um, which was pretty interesting. Um, that led me to some more marketing companies, uh, to Tweed, to where I am now. So, um, been all over the place, definitely not a career path. That's been, you know, uh, one thing and you continue on for it for 15 years. I'm all over the place. Yeah. 
But um, I think that's just taught me a lot over the years. And uh, I'm now applying it to just some freelance work, doing some stuff on my own, trying to make some extra cash. Aside from that, like you said, um, been in the Arts Hub a ton. I am a musician. And uh, like you had mentioned, I have a project called Elmsley. Um, just me and my buddy Andrew playing some acoustic and some bass and uh, jamming out. We've been doing that for two years. We got some stuff coming out in the fall, uh, which we're excited about. Um, I've been playing guitar since I was 16. I was actually in the metal scene, and that's why I recognized you with Fuck the Facts, because uh, I played metal for eight years in yeah. the Ottawa metal scene. So that was that was great, and I had lots of good experience, met lots of great people there. And um, yeah, took a bit of a break off. I still wanted to do something. I know a lot of friends, you may have experienced a similar thing where You've got a good run with a band, and then once that's done, it's just like, you know, see ya. Like, I'm not I'm not going to play any more music. I'm not going to do anything else. Um, so I didn't want to do that, and that's sort of where Elmsley came. And I just, um, me and Andrew have known each other for years. Um, he's got a really cool funk rock band uh, out of Ottawa. And so, yeah, we just started jamming. We just go over, have some beers, hang out, whatever. And, um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been good. And... Other than that, um, you know, I've got a dog named Luna, um, you know, got family nearby. My sisters are in Ottawa, parents are in Westport. Um, that's sort of what brought us out here originally, going mm-hmm. to my parents' place on the weekends. They've got a nice, um, about 50 acres out just uh, outside of Westport. So awesome. we go out there and hang out and, you know, the only way to get there is coming through Smith Falls. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. you start to get it. And obviously, I'd heard things, too, about Tweed and how things were developing there. And that really interested me. So um, I know when we moved here, uh, my goal was to actually work there. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have a job there yet when we moved here. But I was like, okay, well, I'll work on it. And yeah. uh, eventually did. And uh, unfortunately, like I said, it was short-lived, about yeah. 10 months before they, they did that. And uh, it's too bad the Visitor Center still hasn't opened, as far as I know. Um, it's a really cool spot if anyone hasn't been there already. But you get a tour and see the old chocolate factory. As you go around, you get to see the actual grill rooms, all the plants. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the chocolate-making facility, like, dead center, so you can actually see the chocolate bars come down the line, just like if it was Hershey, but obviously some added elements in there but yeah. uh hummingbird now right <laughs> yeah so yeah it's all hummingbird chocolate out of elmont um all infused uh, there's a couple different um uh bars that they have out there so yeah it was a great great spot to work and uh, work with some great people but um you know these things happen yeah so you said three years that it's 2021 now so like summer 2018 is that when yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. got here uh literally we moved, I want to say Canada Day, or the day after. Um, but yeah, beginning of July, we moved, and um, yeah. And was, was that was that right in to the house you're in now? Or yes. Did, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. We, yeah, we got that spot. Um, we looked around at a few spots, Carleton Place, Perth, you know, um, yeah. the surrounding area. And then uh, we found this house and went to look at it, and we're like... Yeah, this is it. This yeah. is what we like, and yeah. we made an offer uh, right after it. So yeah, it's it's been a great spot. It's also hilarious to me the amount of people I've met that now that know right away where I live. I yeah. think it's just because I'm on the corner there. Of yeah, the, yeah, uh, pretty um, pretty easily identifiable yeah, spot. Yeah. yeah, so I'm right there. And then like, um, there's been several people that I've met that have been like, 
I'll be telling them about the house if we're doing like a renovation or something. And then they'll be like, oh, yeah, no, I've I've been in there. I know exactly where that is. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's been some, I guess, younger people that lived there before. And, you know, there's just all sorts of people that I've uh, I haven't met along the way that have actually been in my house. That, yeah, that especially when invite. it's just been up on the market and yeah. people have been going through to look at it, sometimes because they're interested or sometimes just because they're curious. Oh, yeah. That came up last podcast when I was talking to uh, Ted and Mary in Outerbridge. And they got the keyhole house and everybody they meet has been through their house because it's a, it's a pretty iconic house in town, yeah, yeah. I think. And it was, it was up on the market for a little while. I, I certainly went through it and looked at it. Nice. Never went through your house though. It was, you were already in there by the time we were looking at houses. Oh, you, really? You eh? beat us here by a few months. Okay. We, we put our, we bought our house in October, 2018. So right. Just, just a few months behind you. And then we moved in in first thing, January, 2019. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. A good old winter move. That yeah. uh, <laughs> must my, have been fun. Oh, my move was a big move. It was a big one. Because we actually bought a house, well, thought we bought a house over on Kensington. On the other side of, not the other side of town, but the other side of the main street, at least. We put an offer in. It got accepted. This was like early October. And we raced home to Kitchener where we were living, put our house on the market. It sold in two days, no wow. conditions, three weeks to close. And we thought we were going to get this new house in Smith Falls, November 1, pull the bandaid off real quick. Yeah. And then two days later, we got the building inspection back for the house we thought we bought. Ooh. And it was bad. Like you name it, it had it. Oh, uh, sh- galvanized steel plumbing, right, knob right. and tube wiring, asbestos here and there. It just turned out to be, we, we knew it, we knew it was, it was a place that needed some work, yeah, for but sure. we didn't realize it was like a gut job and we didn't want to put our kids through that. So yeah. we, uh, we raced to find another house and we'd actually, we didn't actually didn't, we didn't even see our house. I sent my parents to, cause I was back down in Kitchener. Right. Trying to go through the sale. Yeah. You know. And I sent my parents to look at the house I'm in now and my mom gave it the thumbs up and she's, uh. She's a little pickier about real estate than I am. So I, I trusted her and uh, it was good. Yeah. Nice. Well, there you go. That's but crazy. It was, it was a longer closing date. Oh. We couldn't get it. They had renters in there and they had to give them, the owners had to give them 60 days to, uh, to vacate. And that meant, uh, that made, meant beginning of January for us. So we were in limbo for a couple months right? and lived in a rental house in Kitchener for like a month and a half yeah. and came home for Christmas, lived with my parents for like three weeks until our house was ready and then moved in. And there was like multiple trucks and storage spaces, some down in Kitchener, some up here. It was, yeah, it was quite a, quite a thing. Sounds stressful. Yeah. Well, our logic was we're not doing this again. (laughs) Yeah. That was, that's how we got through it. You know, we just, we're not doing this again. (laughs) This is where we live. Yeah, that's now. a good way to think of it. Yeah, and I mean, we had had a ha- we had had a bit of a habit of like um, selling our house in a town once the market heated up in that town, and going to another town where a market hadn't heated up, mm-hmm. and that worked well for us for like three cities in a row. And oh, then really? we got to Smith Falls. We're like, well, there's nowhere else left to go now because <laughs> as much as prices may have gone up in town here. They're, they're still they're not. pretty much the, still the lowest yeah. around oh, unless absolutely. you want to go up to Wawa or maybe Sault Ste. Marie or yeah. something like it's 
where there's not much <laughs> it's the cheapest on. place around it's yeah. that it is at least still a town and has amenities yeah and is close to anything yeah exactly you know very central that's what um yeah that's what i liked about it too like yeah it's about 45 if to get into canada mm-hmm. but like it's really not that big a deal once we moved out here i knew i was just like all right we're gonna have to drive like mm-hmm. we're gonna have to drive to see friends we're gonna have to drive yeah. we want to go in the city whatever and then once you just get there it's like okay that's fine um and you know other people i know that have moved certain places and you know they decide that i'm gonna stay within my region you know and not yeah. uh and not drive around too much so um but then also just people get busy in general if you're trying to you know as an example i've got lots of friends in ottawa i've got friends where i grew up in iroquois you know it's still over an hour away you know yeah. still trying to do that is a is a challenge but um but yeah it's it's still very central still lots of stuff to do and lots of good people here that we've met so we're we're always busy yeah we've uh we've definitely met a lot of good people here um i feel like we keep meeting new ones we're meeting a lot of people who have moved here yeah i mean nate was one of them right what i like about nate's story is that um you know our our joint neighbors and friends uh rob and rosalind like made nate move here nate and brie oh yeah they made the move here they were just like you gotta come you just come they just hounded them for months on end and they're all right fine we'll we'll do it and they did and i think more people just need to do that we just need to peer pressure all the cool kids (laughs) everybody to come there's already lots of cool kids just like join us just just come to come it's already built just come on just down. come on yeah. down just Couple. come on down to smith's falls move here it's better yeah i've been trying to do that a bit um a lot of my friends are a bit all over the place i've got a, some friends in kempfield too so that's pretty close yeah but yeah people in the city i'm you know especially with covid a lot of people just want to get out right yeah. you know yeah. so it's like oh i know a good spot like you know lots of water around lots of nice spots you know good restaurants good pubs you yeah. know try to get them in there but you know, slowly but surely. I tried to convince my sister to move to town. I almost had her. I almost had her. And then she got a really good job in Ottawa. Mm. And uh, it was a no-go. It was, uh, it was futile Yeah. At that, at that point. But she was tempted. She admitted. She's like, you almost had me. I was really, really tempted. Pat just convinced his cousin to move to town. There you go. Yeah, she's going to run a new bar in town. Oh, nice. Yeah. Do you know what that's going to be? Um, when I'm not sure when I, I talked, where? To, I, I know where, yeah, oh. yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's, it's not a secret. It's, uh, we talked about it. I talked about it with Pat on the podcast. We didn't go deep cause it's still a ways out. I think I'm actually helping them design a logo for it right nice. now, but it's in, uh, it's in the post office. Oh yes. I have heard. Yeah. 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 And it's going to be called the post office. Yeah. Fitting Makes name. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. Pat's, uh. Pat's cousin, Jill, who is like a bartender, bar runner extraordinaire. Um, and by bar runner, I don't mean like the person who has to like run the empties to the back. Not that kind of bar runner, but like the person who runs <laughs> yeah, a bar, yeah, you know, yeah, that yeah. Gotcha. operator, yeah. general manager. She's like award winning and, and stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was just hanging out with her last night. She's That's cool. great. Um, yeah. The post office is going to be like high end businessy fancy cocktails and whiskey it's in the base i haven't seen it yet i keep but pat's supposed to give me a tour he's like two weeks late on giving me a tour <laughs> but i'm looking forward to that place right beside bowie's don't have to go far yeah it's um yeah and the building is just 
Very, very yeah. nice. I know I've tried to look in several times and just see what's going on. Um, but yeah, I definitely want to go check that out, go see what it is. I I honestly don't remember what it looked like before. I think when I moved here, they were starting to do it. I don't know. I can't remember. But um, yeah, they did a great job with it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that very much. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be like October, November. That's nice. what they're what's what they're shooting for. They're still working through renos and 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 applications and liquor licenses and so I think they have to be done the reno before they can apply for the liquor license. Uh, so yeah. it's just sort of putting one foot in front of the other for that whole process. Nice. So cool houses, Smith Falls. You grew up in Iroquois. Now you're here, and uh, like you said, you're getting involved, right? You're doing some community initiatives yeah what's going on there Rideau roundtable yeah Tell me more about that um yeah pretty cool nonprofit. um they help uh, essentially maintain the waterways in the surrounding area mm-hmm. so a lot of that has to do with um you know cleanups so i know jake from there did a big cleanup it was in the news um a couple months ago he just went around you know uh, lower reach park in the water around there went through some of the canals areas and he I think he picked up four or 500 pounds of garbage or something ridiculous. Yeah, like I'll bet. Um, so, you know, like that's that's a key component there. Like you've got fast food stuff, beer cans, whatever that's found in there. That's, you know, it's really frustrating. Um, and then aside from that, it's a lot of educational stuff. You know, they'll do, do these tours through these um, Voyager canoe tours. Mm-hmm. And so Voyager are the 25 to 35 foot long right. canoes, yeah, yeah, yeah. the ones that, you know, the pioneers would be using. Um, and they'd go around and they'll showcase, you know, go to the swale and then you start picking out the uh, animals and the creatures, the birds, the environment there. And you start discussing it and telling the people that are there. And then aside from that, they also run Paddle Fest, which has been around for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I th- and sounds like they're trying to get that going again for September as well. Yeah, which is exciting. Um, I was on a meeting there earlier this week. They were talking a bit about it, trying to get some things going. Um, so yeah, they're still accepting teams. I'm looking to put a team together, just get some people out there, have some fun, and then there'll be some vendors and music and drinks and good food. So um, yeah, they do a lot of good just to really maintain um, the surrounding area and all the waters there because you know Smith Falls. One of the main attractions is the canal you get Mm -hmm. so many tourists that come through there you know i go through uh, the park on a regular basis in centennial park um all the boats you're seeing you know quebec city montreal people are coming from all over to go through these canals and we really gotta you know maintain them keep them clean and also ensure that the environment thrives there and the habitat thrives there so they're doing lots of good work and um yeah i've just been trying to help out where i can mostly from like a uh, marketing web design you know just sort of business side of things to yep. help them you know just get awareness out of what they're doing reach new people uh, like you said there's a ton of new people coming to town and hopefully some people want to uh you know get involved and join and, and help out with that kind of stuff so yeah that's sort of uh, uh a bit of it in a nutshell i guess but um yeah they're doing some good work that's awesome i had a uh I have a friend in Guelph where I lived for a good 12 years and Guelph is Guelph is in some ways a lot like Smith Falls. It's got, well, it's got a river right through the middle of it Mm -hmm. and lots of green space around that river. 
And uh, my friend Brian, he goes out in his kayak all the time, like once, twice a week down the Speed River in uh, in Guelph, and he just picks out garbage. Yeah. Just picks out garbage. And he takes a picture of it every time, this big loop haul. He calls it river loot. <laughs> and he takes pictures of it just so people know, just as like awareness of like oh, an- another trip, another pile of garbage, folks, yeah. you know. So he's he's cleaning up, but he's also spreading some For sure. awareness by, by rubbing it in everybody's noses. <laughs> Well, you got to do that though, because well, yeah, yeah, people you don't uh, you don't clue in, you know, like your stuff's going somewhere when yeah. you're throwing it around, or and you know, there's a lot of issues with just the single use plastic and mm-hmm. how things are just so disposable in our society, right? Yeah, so it's, totally. It's um, these things go somewhere, and they're going right in the rivers, right by your house. So yeah. it's um, yeah, it, you know, I think there needs to be more focus on that, and hopefully the town can help support some of these causes and continue to do that because i kayak a lot too and mm-hmm. i'll go out in the swale go to lower reach lower reach especially there's a ton of garbage along the shorelines there yeah. i've definitely picked up garbage but um, there's been a few times i've gone to attempt to reach and grab something out of the water and i'm just doing like a back and forth i'm like i'm about to tip essentially yeah. so i'm like okay i have to be yeah, smart. those kayaks get pretty tippy. Oh, yeah. Mine's, and I don't have like a high-end one by any means. You so. got your own though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This summer has been where I've done the most. I've been doing it for a couple years. Going to my parents out on Westport, Big Rito Lake. It's super nice out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but around here, it's really nice through the canals and uh, especially in the swale. I'll go back there. I'll tour around. Yeah, there's lots to see. And uh, yeah, but there's there's been a ton of garbage, unfortunately. Yeah, I believe it. I've done, uh, I haven't done any kayaking here yet, but I've done some stand-up paddle boarding. Oh, yeah. And I've done a bit of canoeing. I've used the rentals nice. that Bill's got going yeah. with, with Smith Falls Pedal. I see him. Yeah, every time I go out, he's always uh, sitting out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Important to keep clean for sure. And I've been hearing about Paddle Fest too. Uh, you know, Campbell, right? Yeah, I think yeah. Campbell's Campbell's helping putting that together this year. In fact, I saw Campbell at the Vinta concert. Oh, nice. I mentioned to him that you were going to be on the podcast tonight. And he said, "Oh, I just." Just had a meeting with Jordan yeah. last night. I hadn't put the two together that Rito Paddle Fest and Rito Roundtable were kind of the same. Uh, I joined the in same, there. The same ball of cheese. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't. Uh, I think that was the first time I had, uh, I guess, virtually uh, met Campbell. Mm-hmm. Um, I swear I've seen him play before but i just haven't really had a, a discussion with him but yeah him and uh and and lee i apologize i don't know her last name but um they're looking to uh coordinate the paddle fest and mm-hmm. so yeah i haven't actually i don't think i've been to one since i've been here well you know with covid there's two years gone out of yeah. the uh, three yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know you've been here right so um yeah i'm looking forward to it i think that's going to happen in september at lower reach yeah the uh 18th i think if i'm not mistaken yeah i should know but i don't whichever is a saturday which i'm 90 percent sure is the 18th september okay. 18th yeah 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 I'm, uh, I was, i've been talking to campbell a little bit about that i'm gonna be gonna be offering a little bit of my help as well nice that. that's sweet get some drones out or well it's gonna be photography related right yeah uh, i won't uh, i won't drop the ball yet because the the plans are still being won't, uh, finalized won't make it out. okay but uh, i think that maybe uh 
the podcast is going to be involved myself and the, and perhaps the podcast is going to be involved cool. to a, to a certain extent. He's, um, yeah, I'm going to have him out too. I'm going to have him out. I had actually, uh, not to make you feel like a second choice, Jordan, but I'd actually, I had actually asked Campbell to come out, um, prior to asking you. Um, that's why you came up in conversation full, uh, gotcha. full circle. There you full go. Circle. Yeah. Cause he was like, did you find anybody to do the podcast? Like, yeah, Jordan's going to do it. He's like, that's great. I just met with Jordan last night. Nice. Yeah. That's how that happened. There you go. Yeah. That's the good thing about small towns though. You, there's connections everywhere, right? Yeah. I love a, it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. We like, I go to a backyard concert. I don't know who's going, but I wind up knowing half the people there. You know? Yeah, exactly. And then and then I run into Campbell and we talk about you. And then you're on the podcast and the people we talk about, I know most of them. And uh, and the ones the ones that come up that I don't know, I just sort of just put them on the list. A little mental checklist. <laughs> gotta meet that person. Yeah. Gotta meet that person. So you've got uh Let's hear some more about your music. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. You gave me, you, you gave like the the quick, the, the quick, quick pitch. Yeah. But big shift. You used to be a metal guy. <laughs> yeah, I was a metal guy too. So I understand the shift because I've made, made some of my own shifts. I I write folky tunes now. I uh, haven't done any recording of my own stuff. I get I get other people to record the songs I write. Campbell sang a song. That I wrote. Oh, the Bowie. The Bowie. Yeah, that's, yeah. It was catchy. It was yeah. catchy. Yeah, that actually. There's a set, there's a whole second half to that song. We've got it recorded. We're gonna. Oh, cool. We'll release it to the airwaves once it's once it's all ready. Yeah, that uh, was sweet. Yeah, that version was the uh, the one minute long uh, like like TV show intro cut. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. But your music. Yeah. Elmsley. Yeah. It's not metal. It is not. No. Although, from my perspective, I can I can see the metal influence. Yeah, and some of the it. yeah, some, some of, of the technical, techier, mathier kind of for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that's sort of where it translated because uh, I by no means can sing. Uh, mm. I am not a singer. I'm a guitar player, yeah. and that's what I stick with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's where it sort of came out of just like, well, band's done. We've you know, I was in that band. I started when I was 16. Yeah with buddies from high school, you know, lots of changes over the years in terms of who was playing in it, but and that band I, was, so I, well, I've had a few, I guess, but there's name changes and, and so on. So I started off the band. I was called, uh, sleep is for the dead when we were 16 years old, yeah. very much that emo screamo gotcha. type phase. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we did that for, I guess four or five years. Then I got into college and then we decided there was a couple member changes there. So it was just me and the drummer that were the original guys. We decided to change the name to Abraxas, which has some uh, meaning in Greek mythology, sort of the battle of you've got the good and evil side of things. Uh, so there's a bit of story there. And then that was for a couple of years. And then, you know, people grow up it gets tougher and tougher to play and to have people fully committed yeah it just wasn't uh we you know we had lots of stuff ready to go and then it just sort of phased out which is unfortunate and then from there i was like well it's not like i'm just gonna stop playing music mm -hmm. you know and that happened to a few people that i've seen you know not specifically in uh in my band but in other bands and i was like i don't want to be like that you know mm -hmm. um but at that time was i going to go out and played you know big shows as a heavy metal band you know probably not so you know let's take a look at something else 
And so I remember I've always played acoustic. Um, like I was a big fan of like Dallas Green, City and Color from Alexis on yep. Fire. I always listened to his stuff. That was one of the ones that I was always consistently from an acoustic standpoint. And then I came across a guy named Andy McKee. Um, yeah, yeah, I know and, yeah, and specifically Candy Rat Records, which has, if you're a guitar fan, I highly recommend to just look them up and look at all the artists they have in there. Very talented guys. But I remember listening to one of his songs, and this was quite a few years ago, but it just blew my mind at what he was doing. It was mm-hmm. so unique. Um, he had, as one guitar player, He's got a strong rhythm using the percussion on the guitar, uh, more as like a drum, and he's got the bass lines because he's, you know, down to to different tunings, mm-hmm. and then he uses, you know, he's either tapping or slapping on the guitar and just having these layers as a solo guitar player, and I just, you know, I remember the first song, I was like, I couldn't believe that someone could play like that, so I really started to dive into that style after that. And I've been slowly trying to work my way up to, you know, be able to perform something similar. Um, And that's where it's very much, you know, it's instrumental, but I tried to do it in the sense where it has some sort of, you know, it's not, I'm not playing the same thing for, you know, two minutes straight. I'm I'm sort of all over the place, which has its benefits, but also has its cons in terms of, some, you know being catchier or yeah. being consistent that people remember it um or having somebody sing along to it that's right. been the one thing that i've noticed is you know i've got a whole bunch of material it's a bit more technical so getting people you know i've got lots of friends that i can sing well getting them to do on guest vocals on a track as an example yeah. they sort of have to pick and choose what spots they want to do yeah, yeah yeah and then they don't also maybe not put lyrics to it but just sort of harmonize over top of certain parts yeah so yeah that's you know a bit about that but um yeah it's uh yeah like you said i took that metal influence and took that to an acoustic guitar yeah changed the tunings on it and started getting involved with the percussion pieces to try to give it more layers and just more you know added volume in there when i do play live yeah because you know if you do go up there alone you know a singer songwriter is one thing you've got the voice and you know people sort of just think that the guitar is there to accompany it right on a lot of those types of uh, artists but for me it's like the guitar is the only thing there yeah so i really have to emphasize it and it has to be um really memorable and also um really precise in terms of you know i can't be missing notes left right and center i've got to be like very precise there you got nothing to hide behind right? yeah exactly so it's like i screw up well you know that takes a, a lot out i've you know i remember going the first time to bowie's actually playing an open mic i didn't know anybody i just showed up and started playing but i remember being a lot more nervous versus you know playing to the 20 30 people in there versus playing some shows where we had three 400 people but you've got four guys with you yeah. going on that stage so it was a very different situation and i, I definitely i didn't expect it because like i played oh i've played shows for you know the last 10 years or whatever it's not a big deal but i was like oh this is this is different because i remember i mishit a note um and then i was just like that really takes the air out of it. You yeah. know, you've got to keep going and keep, because uh, it's just you. Yeah. There's nothing really to, to help you out if you do screw up. Or And metal's so loud and it's so chaotic that a lot of times you mishit a note, uh, people aren't 
noticing, you know. Yeah, it's or, just noise within noise. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah. you've got the other guitar and the bass to yeah. cover that up, um, you know. So it's, yeah. So, yeah, definitely definitely a different experience. That's definitely one of the things that, you know, reminds me of metal in, in what you're playing is that it's, like, like you said, you don't do a lot of necessarily, like, I mean, you'll repeat parts, but you don't, like, within succession mm-hmm. to create some rhythm. Yeah. But you don't come back to those parts again you know there's not uh you know your your hooks generally come by once mm-hmm. you know i've written like that particularly in in metal and there's a lot of me- so many metal bands like that yeah have you ever heard of starring janet lee i want to say yes but i it just popped into my yeah. head because my but my buddy zaddy he's like moved over to like the acoustic world as well and he used to play in a band like that. And, oh, okay. And, and like his, yeah, his metal band is like, they never came back to a riff. It's mm. like done and gone. Yeah. We played it and we're, we've <laughs> we're moved bored. on. It's just, you know, it's very, very stream of consciousness. Yeah. You for know, sure. so it's the kind of thing where, you know, you got to get into it a little more, give it a little more time and, and, and hear the pieces and hear the songs mm-hmm. maybe, maybe 10 times. And then that's when the parts are coming back because you remember them from the last time you listened to the song, not from the last time you heard the chorus 30 seconds ago. Exactly. But yeah, yeah, I get it. I totally get it. Yeah, it's been something I've been trying to focus in on doing the, you know, intro verse, chorus verse type of setup, Mm -hmm. Um, specifically just to uh, layer it a bit easier. So Mm -hmm. throw on different instruments. Uh, and also just to, you know, work with people to have them sing over these songs specifically. Yeah. So it's, it's a bit of a simplification on what I'm doing. Um, but also I feel like if, you know, a lot of stuff I now listen to is, is layered, but it starts off with like, you've got a simple beat yeah, and then you keep building off that. And then at some point you change. And so that's sort of where I'm, I'd like to go to, especially I want to explore like using a loop pedal yeah you know you've got one riff let's loop that then i can do a lead over it then if i've got you know some piano or whatever then you can really start doing a really cool um atmosphere that way so that's that's one thing i want to explore and just different writing styles because i think you're right it's i've been writing the same way since i was 16 Mm -hmm. (laughs) just different uh just slightly different in terms of what kind of gear i'm using i guess Yeah. yeah but you ever heard of uh Gareth Pearson. He's a fingerstyle guitar player. Oh, yes, I have. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have. Yeah, he's he's one of the first guys that I really got into that did that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like I I started myself playing on acoustic guitar with my fingers, mm-hmm. but without all the guitar as a drum yeah, kind yeah. of stuff, you know. And I, you know, there was sort of crossed over with metal too. Like I learned how to play Nothing Else Matters by Metallica, nice. and, you know, the yeah. intro to to the Unforgiven and you know, finger style stuff. There's, I mean, there's a lot of appreciation for that within metal, whether it's like the intro from fight fire with fire. Yeah. Or the beginning of fade to black. Mm-hmm. Metallica loves that finger style. Yeah, for sure. Stuff. A lot of, um, uh, I find like a lot of the really like, um, Norwegian black metal or death metal bands always have some sort yeah. of like, eerie sounding acoustic guitar that they then layer over with some weird organs or something and then it leads up into like a you know big finale or whatever uh but you're absolutely right you know there's lots of bands that do that i'm trying to think of some examples specifically but i think it's you know you can just incorporate it in a sense that you've got the chaos in this loud music and then the bands that i really enjoy are the ones that have a balanced approach and Mm -hmm. do it both very well 
Yeah. Which can be quite difficult. The contortionist is one where they have like, you know, they're very fast, very quick riffs, but then they have, they release an album of just like their songs, but on acoustic version. Oh yeah. Um, and it was just, is you know very impressive to see that you can have one song translated into something else completely yeah, totally. um and be so melodic and so you know beautiful sounding like um, apocalyptica yeah those cello guys who oh, do metallica yeah. songs on the cello mm-hmm. i think they branched out after that the first album they did was all metallica songs then they branched out and did some other bands yeah too, oh yeah, yeah some originals as well mm-hmm. yeah it's it, it translates well it really does metal to acoustic or even classical kind of stuff. Yeah, a lot, a yeah. lot of similar similarities in writing too. I mean, a lot of, uh, you know, well, most classical stuff and it's, it's, you know, very stream of consciousness, like mm-hmm. lots of movements, Yeah, you know, not, uh, not necessarily always a lot of coming back to parts, but yeah, it was Gareth Pearson who was like the first opened my world into that whole kind of that realm yeah realm of of so many things and layers going on at once playing a bass line adding in some tapping and mm-hmm. some some percussion and i saw yeah i saw him i think it was 2009 it was at ottawa folk fest before it oh, came city yeah. folk when it was yeah. still uh city hall at the old location was that city hall that they had it be Oh, no, no. Uh, oh, I'm was, thinking the old Blues Fest. Yeah, old there. Blues Fest was City Hall. Old, uh, and now they're both both fests are now run by the same organization. Mm-hmm. It was it was more like Brit, like Britannia. It was like, oh yeah, was that in near that uh, Mooney's Bay? Like uh, that way? It was at Mooney's Bay for a bit, but I think still as as City Folk. It might be there now. Anyway, it used to be in a different spot. It used to right. be Ottawa Folk Fest. Now it's City Folk. And when it was Ottawa Folk Fest, it was like a a stripped down sort of four person song circle. And I saw it was Peter Katz, Craig Cardiff, mm. Bahamas, before like there anybody got, knew yeah. who Bahamas was, and Gareth Pearson. And Gareth was like the odd man out here because all these other like doing these singer songwriter stuff and just sort of strumming their acoustic guitars. And Mm -hmm. then Gareth gets out with his frigging lightning hands Mm -hmm. and uh, Bahamas was making jokes about it. He's like when they all said like goodbye and who their names was. Yeah. Bahamas just said, thanks, everybody. I'm the guy who played after Gareth. (laughs) (laughs) And Gareth, what Gareth is, I think his most sort of like known piece and like viral piece is he does a crazy cover of billy jean yeah on the guitar mm-hmm. and he not only does he do the crazy cover but he does like a full-on michael jackson dance routine including a moonwalk oh I while miss- while he's doing oh yeah i've the heard, bass yeah, line I've heard and it. the percussion <laughs> and the melody on his guitar all simultaneously yeah um who else did i see who i really liked with that kind of style oh you ever heard of Daniel Champagne? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, no. Look him up. He's yeah. mind blowing. He's and I saw him in person, and it was in a it was at, it was down in Kansas at this like uh, folk music conference, not a festival, but a conference. And he was playing in a hotel room. He wears a ring on his finger, I think, to mm. so that when he hits oh, with that really? finger, he can get a different sound because he gets like a a metal knocking versus mm. his hand slapping, and and he's like. He's he's great. I'm not going to try and describe his finger style. I can't even beatbox, but uh, he's great. Daniel Champagne. I think he's from, uh, he's an Australian guy. 
Oh, nice. Really, really good. Really good. And like, this is me. Like he blew, he, he, I'm not going to go and say he's better than Gareth because it's not a contest, but like when I saw Gareth, it blew my mind. And then I saw like Andy McKee yeah. and I was like, oh, he's like, he's good too. Mm-hmm. And then I saw Daniel and I was like, my mind was blown again. Maybe it was just because of the ring. Maybe, I, I don't know. But yeah, even, it's, maybe it's because it was in person too. Like, like yeah, five, five feet from my face in a hotel room. Yeah. But it was, yeah, it was pretty great. Nice. That's, yeah, I'll check them out. Um, yeah, shows like that always, they're always fun. Um, we played, I love, used to playing house shows. That yeah. was like, I, not that I could care less for bigger shows, but yeah. house shows, you know, is going to be fun. You know, something fucked up is going to happen, whether that's someone goes through a wall or something stupid is going to happen, yeah. specifically in the stuff we were playing. And we went to Kempville one night and we played a show and we were in the guy's living room. And I just remember like they cleared everything out. Everyone was packed in there. And I thought it was going to be like an eviction party the way they treated that place. (laughs) And it was like three dudes that were like, you know, must have been 19, 20 or whatever. And they just invited us out. We went out there, um, had a blast and was playing. And I remember uh, like after we played, like everyone went out, had a smoke, had a drink. Uh, Our bass player uh, came back with a, a big screen TV in the back of a uh, trailer and we're like like where did you even go like what did you just what just happened Mm -hmm. and apparently he had met some guy met him long enough to talk to him that the guy said hey i'm selling a tv are you interested and i guess he goes back to his house and he's like well yeah i've got a couple bucks on me and i've got some shirts and shit like from our band merch and ends up trading this guy whatever he has and brings back a TV. And I'm pretty sure he still has it. And that nice. was like seven years ago. <laughs> nice. I loved house shows. I played my fair share of house shows with, uh, with Fuck the Facts mainly. Mm-hmm. We did a lot of house shows, oh, yeah. basement shows. Yeah. Yeah. Played a really crazy house show out in PEI once. That was that was a living room one, yeah. As well, just like no all furniture. I think they just put the furniture in their backyard, <laughs> and yeah, just like PEI kids get bored. I think. Oh yeah, not much going on. Yeah, they eat a lot of potatoes. At least they told me they did. Yeah. Well, that's why I always liked playing the small, the very small towns. Mm-hmm. For that reason, not nothing else is going on. Yeah. So you're gonna get a hundred kids that show up, even if you know. Half of them aren't wearing shoes. Or like even like metal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh, there's something going on. Yeah. Like we're gonna come out. That happened to us a lot in Quebec, where it's like we don't even know where we are. Like yeah. we're in the you know, like we used to go up to Sherbrooke, Granby, um, out that way, like northern Quebec, and then it was just like How these, northern? Um, I'm trying to think of where else we went. It wasn't like super, super up north, but like I used to play in a metal band in Rouen. Okay. Rouen, Noranda. I was going to say, where's like Trois-Rivières? Trois-Rivières is not north. Trois-Rivières is like between Montreal and Quebec City. Right. And there's only one real promoter in Trois-Rivières. Yeah. The ones I'm thinking. And his name is (laughs) Jean-Francois. Jean-Francois. Yeah. Which is 
there's a lot of there's there's a lot of Jean Francois in Quebec and a lot in Trois-Rivières, but only one who's the metal promoter, and he runs the Trois-Rivières Metal Fest. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I spent a month on the road with that guy because I was playing in a band that was opening for Naraxis. Oh, cool. Yep. And he was filling in on bass for Naraxis. Uh, we called him Beast. His nickname was Beast. I'm not sure how he earned the nickname. And uh, he doesn't speak a word of English. I think he actually, I think he speaks one word of English. I don't know what it is. I've never heard it, but I've heard stories. So the, yeah, Toivia was a great spot. Um, Drummondville was a good place. Uh, Quebec and Montreal, of course. Yeah. yeah, I played in a band. Even northern, yeah, northern. Rouillet is like up near Timmins. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, we didn't, like couple yeah, hours, we definitely didn't couple go that. Like, uh, like it's like the Rouillet. I would say it's not Rue. It's, it's R O U Y N. English people always say Rouillet. Yeah. But it's actually just <laughs> one syllable, one fell swoop. And they love metal up there. We, oh, yeah. We played, uh, we played like a, an arena. We played an arena. Oh, cool. Like not like full like, on arena rock. Like we you're played, like local we played, rank, we played like, in like a, yeah. And like in the middle of a hockey rink with people, yeah. people on the ground in front of us. But there was, there was like hundreds of people there in this like 10 hours North mm-hmm. town. And they have, they had their own, they had their own like monthly metal print publication. That's in Roy. Yeah, it was great. Cause, uh, one of the guys from despised icon, he's from, he's from there. Oh, okay. And he was, so he, he was producing this band I was in. And then, uh, it was the, uh, the old singer from Naraxis was a singer in the band. And then a uh, guitar player and bass player from away. Nice. Descend into nothingness. That's actually the most <laughs> technical metal band I ever played in. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was going to say the stuff you played with fuck the facts. Like I've seen, and I'm trying to remember how, um, if it was so long ago, I don't know if you were playing with them when I saw mm-hmm. you had said, how long did you play? Uh, I was in, in the band for about four years. Okay. From like I was the I was the first drummer. Yep. And I played with them until about halfway through 2004. 2004. Okay. So do you know where um Targ is? Yeah, yeah. House what, of Targ. Yeah, what was it before? What was that venue? Uh before Targ it was well, before Targ it was called the Bayou. Yeah, but then there was something but before, before the, the Bayou. I think it was maybe just called the Underground. Yeah, I can't remember. I went to quite a few metal shows there, though, yeah. back in the day. And I feel yeah. like that was my first time I saw Fuck the Facts because I wasn't even living in Ottawa. Like, I'm driving out from yeah. Iroquois for the night with my buddies to go out to a show. Type thing. I played there a lot with, yeah. with Fuck the Facts. That's for sure. Okay, so maybe yeah. I have seen you then. I think it was the underground. Yeah. I think it was the underground. It's hard to say. There's so many venues that have been called the underground because they're in a basement. Yeah. It's not a very original name. But yeah, I, I, I used to play there all the time. Um, and then that is the, that when it was the Bayou in April of 2008, I was there. That was the first time I ever saw my wife, Amber play. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and now it's house of Targ where they have pinball machines. And from what I hear, really, really good pierogies. Yeah. Yeah. I have had those at least once. Um, yeah, it's a fun spot. They still have some good shows there though, too. I've been to a few. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't I haven't been to House of Target. I know all about it, but I haven't been there yet. I used to play I used to play bumpers a lot. Hmm. Used to play uh 
played Mavericks. Yeah. Played uh, Sandy Hill Community Center. Oh, really? Yeah. I know where that is. I didn't know they had shows on. Oh, yeah. They used to have, there was like a yearly Halloween show that we would play there. Uh, Halloween Hardcore Fest. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good yeah. for that. Yeah, I played all around Ottawa. Played with Fuck the Facts. And then uh, played Mavericks when I toured through playing for Exhumed. Uh, and then I had a hard, like a punk hardcore band I played in from Ottawa too, called Experiment and Terror. Oh, cool. And I played with them. I stayed with that band for a little longer. We weren't as serious. I kind of like in 2004, I moved down to Guelph. So I just kind of had to quit. Fuck the facts. I wasn't available to them yeah. anymore. Yeah. But I stayed in Experiment and Terror because we only ever played like two shows a year. Anyway, I think the last show I ever played with them was in like 05 or 06. It didn't mm-hmm. last that much longer. And it was much more just like it was like uh, sort of like raised fist meets his hero is gone kind of stuff. Just kind of. Nice d-beat kind of angry punk with a real sort of political kind of right, social justice yeah. edge lyrically um but that was that was a lot of fun that was probably the funnest band mm-hmm. i ever played in because all i had to do was play really fast punk beats all the time i yeah. threw in some blast beats just for good measure yeah just but, for uh, fun i couldn't go uh, i couldn't be i couldn't be hyper blasting all the time like yeah. i was in fuck the facts yeah i was actually i I was listening to a band called A Textbook Tragedy on the way oh, back yeah. from my buddy's place. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know from those BC. guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we... Their drummer, Nick, is awesome. Yeah, that's where I was That's where I was going. I was yeah. just like, uh, like, this guy must be fucking tired because it's just the their album Intimidator, like from to back, it's just like just chaotic. Um, but I, that's what I was thinking. I was going to ask you. I was like, I've never played drums in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I've attempted to maybe twice uh done a poor job and then never went back yeah but i remember playing with our drummer liam and like he would just be soaked at the end of our sets so, like we played some fast stuff and yeah he was quite a good drummer quite technical but um were you not tired <laughs> were you I, not yeah, dead I, tired? I would get well i mean i would definitely get tired i would get out of breath i'd always push through the yeah. song sometimes my arms were burning um, yeah, cause I, I put not only, I pushed myself hard, but I also like when I would hit the stage, the adrenaline would start and my meter would be affected. Not in how much I wavered, but in how fast I thought I was playing Right. in that I thought I was playing the songs, how fast they were supposed to be when in actuality I was playing them probably usually about 20 to 30% faster. Yeah. Live. But you always play. Yeah. You always, in general, people always yeah, play faster. Yeah, people live tend to, yeah. people tend to, but I was, I, I've looked back at videos and realized that like I was playing, like I was playing at times faster than I knew I had the physical ability <laughs> to like, I couldn't right. do it at practice. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be there with a metronome trying to pull off the 280 beats per minute and I couldn't do it. And then I'm sitting there at the show and r- thinking back to the show, like, this is a 210 beat per minute song. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm playing. And then I look at the video and I actually clock it with a metronome and I'm playing up at like 250 <laughs> beats per minute. So like, where was I at the, like in the, in the songs that were supposed to be 250, I must've been, I don't even know where I was playing. Those yeah. Songs. But uh, yeah, I was, I was always a struggle. I mean, drumming in metal is, it's like a sport. It's yeah. athletic. I just, I've just set up my drums again for the first time in actually years. I hate to say it, but years. 
And uh, I'm actually pleasantly surprised, despite being a little older and despite having not played in a long time, I can still do all the stuff. There you go. I can still do all the stuff I used to be able to do. I can't do it all for quite as long. Right. My endurance has gone down. Yeah. You know, and so, yes, I get tired. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was always trouble. Like, I I remember when I first started playing in in the first couple of years, I made like a lot of headway because I just played so much and I practiced so yeah, much and yeah. I researched techniques so much. And I, I trained, I literally trained. Like I had like a, I had a spreadsheet where I would be like crossing off like times and, and goals and speeds and amounts, like, like a workout routine, right? Yeah, you know, and, and then finding out where I was plateauing and trying to mix it up to, to break through the plateau. And stuff. It was it was a training regimen. Yeah, that's a good way to me. do it. And uh, in the first couple of years, I actually like almost blew the tendons out in my arms. I I woke up one morning and my arms were like stuck in like an L shaped position. I couldn't straighten them. I couldn't fully bend them. They were just like <laughs> stuck. And and I had to stop drumming for about five or six weeks. I I just oh, stopped wow, drumming right. altogether. And then when I got back to it, I used to do like yeah, the finger, yeah, finger yeah, yeah. technique. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's traditionally known as Gladstone technique. I think the what the buzzword people are calling it these days is flying fingers, and that's how I used to play. Yeah, and it's like those the muscles and tendons that you need for that. I kind of I kind of fucked up, and to to this day they're still not the same. I had to totally overhaul my technique mm-hmm. and learn how to play using wrists instead of fingers. Oh right, which is harder to hit the same speeds yeah with wrists um but it's uh in a lot of ways better you have you just have you have more control right because your fingers doing are doing the job of holding the stick and then your wrists are doing the job of of moving the stick whereas with fingers it's like number one you can't do it everywhere that technique with fingers you can't do it everywhere you can only do it on a bouncy surface yeah so on my floor tom that i like to keep nice and like low for that ball 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 sound Mm -hmm. I, I can't do the flying fingers because it's like dribbling a basketball, but in like micro scale and with your fingers mm-hmm. and you can't do it. You can't do it on like side sticking high hats, but with wrists, you can just, you can power through you and can motor, do motor, yeah. motor through anything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's actually been shown like the, the two last world record holders for drum speed. It is measured and it is quantified and they keep records of who does this shit the fastest. And the two last guys to do it, um, they use wrists only. They don't use finger technique. Mm. They, they power it out with their wrists. So that's sort of the path that I, uh, I started after blowing out my finger tendons. Yeah. And I'm still kind of on that journey today. I still, still use wrist technique instead of fingers. Yeah. I was going to say, isn't that the more traditional approach, um, versus the uh, yeah. other one? Yeah, yeah, it totally is. Yeah. Yeah. Where everybody's going these days is uh push pull technique. There are some kids on YouTube that will blow your freaking mind I don't even, with, with the blast beats <laughs> that they're doing these days. They have yeah. brought it to a new level. Not necessarily that much faster than what people could do before, but because of the new techniques they're using it, they don't get as tired. Right. I see. Um, and they can like, like there's a video, there's this kid from, I don't know what country he's from, some European country. I think he's German, um, maybe Swedish, but he blasts at 260 beats per minute for 10 minutes straight, 10 minutes straight, no stopping. Yeah. 
just as an endurance exercise sitting and like, like he can hold like 300 beats per minute for like five minutes straight. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's nuts. I don't love it as much yeah. because you get a bit of a sort of swing to it. It's like they're, they're, it's accented cause they're doing this like open close sort of buddy rich technique of, mm-hmm. of, of manipulating the, the stick trajectory and bounce. And it's just, I don't know. It's different. It's like the difference between, playing a Metallica riff the way it's supposed to be played, like James Hetfield plays it with all downstrokes mm-hmm. or going up and down. Right. I it see. just, it yeah. sounds it's just as fast technically to the ear, mm-hmm. but it just, it just sounds, sounds like walking instead of running. It sounds like there's a back and forth to it, you know, yeah. instead of a jackhammer kind of, ah, 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 kind of, kind of to it yeah and that's the thing with i guess i know i haven't played a ton of instruments but um you can always play something differently so it can be the same you could have okay hit these four notes Mm -hmm. and you could have you know endless different ways of playing that and because it could be you know like you said whether that's just the the technique that you're doing or whether that's how long you're hitting a note or whether that's you're uh, accentuating certain parts, you mm-hmm. know, you can go through and it's almost endless. And that's why I really liked um, guitar because you just hear so many different versions of a same, you mm-hmm. know, simple part. Yeah, well, it's totally. like, it's like the standard, like GCE uh, or GCD chords, right? You like that's on how many songs, mm-hmm. you know, it's endless. But obviously, people are playing it a different way. That makes it a bit more interesting. Yep. But then you get things that just get expanded on and people play it a different way, even though um, that's why I really like, and we talked a bit about that Gareth Pearson guy doing his cover. Some of these guys that are doing the instrumental acoustic stuff, they'll take these songs and they'll just apply it in a way that's never been done before. Mm-hmm. So it's it's, yeah, it's very interesting when you start looking at that, just same things but everyone's playing it a different way and then you've got endless possibilities on how something's going to sound yeah and that's what i mean that's my favorite thing about any form of music that is really just is relying on on players and not necessarily players who have just learned classically mm-hmm. you know because uh i mean classical playing and from 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 guitar to drums to singing it's it's so rooted on the notion of like, this is the one perfect way to do it. Right. We've already decided. Yeah. There's no other proper way. Any other way is not good. So don't do it that way. Do it this way. There is a mold of perfection that you are striving towards. And, and I, I don't know, I'm not a big fan of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has its place and there's, there are, reasons for it i guess i don't know it's not it's not my bag i like i like the quirks yeah i like the quirks people have with 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 their own musicality particularly within uh, i certainly within metal Mm. i always i always liked the the unique styles people had especially with guitar players oh yeah Um, drummers too bass players less so yeah they're just kind of there you know unless you're steve DiGiorgio. yeah unless you're (laughs) in death with mm-hmm. this fretless bass, he was my favorite. He was my favorite bass player in metal. Yeah, yeah. I always like the bass players in like progressive or like mathcore mm-hmm. type of stuff, though, because they would always just have 
really good underlying uh groove but then they would the guitars would also let them at certain points just like be the lead too you just have some yeah some sweet parts there so yeah there were some bands that did very well but um yeah in in terms of like the really heavy stuff there it's very few and far between mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm getting back into heavier stuff again now that i've set up my drums and stuff yeah Oh yeah, I still listen mostly from uh, things from 2007. I feel like yeah, <laughs> I still like uh, you know I don't listen to a ton of new stuff. But recently, because of COVID, I feel like there's been a lot of bands that have actually put out new stuff that haven't in a very long time. Mm-hmm. So that's been pretty uh, pretty cool to see. Um, I like hearing. I'm like you. Like I generally listen. Like when I go back and listen to more metal, I'm usually listening to the stuff I used to listen yeah, to for because sure. I love it. And then yeah, you know, a lot of the stuff you know, just kind of getting older syndrome, right? You like you like what you liked, yeah. and you still like it. Don't like and change. the new and the new stuff. Oh, those kids! They don't know. They don't know what the real <laughs> shit is. But I don't know, man, there's some truth to it. Like I grew up on a scene where it's like you had to be able to do it for real. Yeah. And I mean, studio tricks were still a thing back then, but they were frowned upon. Oh, for sure. They, they were. were studio tricks were heavily frowned upon mm-hmm. when I was coming up. Like it was like people like used to write in their liner notes like this, these drum takes were recorded in one take, no punch ins. You know, and that was like a trophy people yeah. would, people would wear, you know, and, in and, and sound replacing, like I, that, that metal record I did from that band in Northern Quebec, I got really mad, upset, disappointed, I'll say, because they sound replaced all my drums. It's like, uh, ah, no, don't sound. Re-. I always, I always accepted it for the kick drum. You know, I just, there was some records where I still managed to pull off no triggers, but it's metal. Got to have your triggers. I get it. You know, it's just sort of a, just par for the course. Yeah. But, uh, and I mean, it's not as bad now because I think uh, drum sampling tones have have gotten a lot better than, than they used to be. But I remember when some bands would like trigger the snare back in like the late nineties, early 2000, like, what are you? doing you just sound like a drum machine and not in a good way like not as a compliment like in you sound your snare sounds like a shitty drum machine it does not sound good Mm -hmm. um and i would i would prefer a a shitty snare sound so many metal bands had shitty that saint anger kind of snare sound (laughs) tune it up so high so that they could dribble the stick with their fingers and get it going really fast right um yeah yeah, no, that's um, it's an interesting point because I think whenever I was playing, there was a definitely shift in technology. So mm-hmm. then you started to see bands like we'd be playing for a couple of years, and then you see bands that just start, yeah. and we hear their recordings, and they're like, "Oh yeah, these guys are sweet." And yeah. then <laughs> you know you go and play like they open for you or whatever, and we're just like, "Oh man, like." you know focus more on what you're playing and ensure you're hitting that yeah. and i don't care if you have crappier recordings but like kill it live yeah and that's how you'll start a, you know a good following and get some fans and get people out or whatever but it's the exact opposite now for oh we're gonna have you know top produced uh music that gets put out and now it's very easy to do that in the sense you can download 
uh, preamps. You can download different guitar tones. You can do it all yeah. in your bedroom now. And so everyone has something that's, you know, quality fairly easily. Um, and then when they go out to play live, it's just like, <laughs> it's not frustrating, but it's it's a bit disappointing too. Yeah. Specifically, we've played with some bands that have come into town and we're like, oh, these guys are sweet. Like we've been fans of them for a long time. And then it's just... Yeah, yeah, I had a moment. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've had some moments like that for sure. I remember I remember the first time I saw Beneath the Massacre. Oh, yes, live. we played with them, yeah. Yeah, and like their record came out on their first EP came out on Ga- Gailey Records mm-hmm. and everybody was making this big stink about them. Yeah. And you know, they're good guys and they're good players. Yeah. And the guitar players just sweeps. They, yeah. they 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 brought it live like mm-hmm. just like they did on the record. And I don't know where he is now. And I'm not trying to shit on them, but it just is what it is. Their drummer, I think his name is Justin. Again, nice guy. Still a talented guy. But the live performance I saw was not what's on the record. Yeah, It wasn't as fast. The record was all sound replaced. So it sounded like this brute smashing his drums. And then like you see him play a blast beat live and you can't even hear it. It sounds like a hummingbird farting. Like gotcha. it's just like <laughs> nothing there. There's yeah. no, no power. You, you can't, you just drowned out over the guitars. And then he was doing gravity blasts mm-hmm. and that was bad. Like you can't start a metal band. You can't be a metal drummer these days and not play the gravity blast. Like it's just a staple. But back then, not a lot of people were yeah. doing, not yeah. a lot of people were doing it when I was, when I was coming up and, and playing in, in fuck the facts, the only people I knew on the whole metal scene doing gravity blasts were John Longstreth from Origin. There was another guy in a lesser known band called Commit Suicide who was doing them. And uh, and Beneath the Massacre was then another band who came out like, oh, he's doing the gravity blast one-handed drum rolls. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't even really doing them live at all. Oh, really? He was faking them. He had a trigger. He would put a trigger on his snare and he would just teeter totter his stick Hmm. back and forth. So if you heard it in real life, it was like snare sound, inaudible rim clack, snare sound, inaudible rim clack, creating the of the drum roll. But then through the PA, it sounded like he was doing this monstrous one handed drum roll when really he didn't even actually know how to do it at all. Uh. At least that's what I saw and heard. If I'm wrong, yeah. man, Justin, and you're list for some reason listening to my Smith's Falls based podcast, seventy six minutes in, hey, call me up, tell me I'm wrong. But that's what I saw. Yeah. That's what I saw. That's what I am pretty sure I witnessed, and I was not impressed. I spent a lot of time working how to make my one handed drum rolls louder than everybody else's, and oh, I would. Sure. I, just, I saw that. I was like, well, "What is even happening here? Why? Like what?" They're used like people used to come out because they wanted to see these amazing good music, yes, but like we said, metal is like athletics, yeah, sometimes too. Oh, for sure, it's also about like who can push into the furthest. And I remember specifically with Beneath the Massacre, and uh, like the guitar player was just insanely fast, yeah, and like he did some really sweet sweeps and stuff, and they were super heavy, but like that's all I remember from him. It yeah. wasn't like the stuff that they pulled off was very, um, and from a songwriting, like songwriting perspective, yeah. like very creative or very, uh, stood out to me. Like those are the two things I remember, you yeah. know? So, and uh, I mean, 
big deal. Like Ingve Malmsteen could sweep him under the table. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not doing it in a death metal yeah, way, exactly. but if he wanted to, at 60 years of age, he he could right now, you know, yeah, exactly. with his scalloped frets and shit, you know, wheedle, 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 yeah. wheedle, wheedle. And at the end of the day, if you sweep fast enough, you know what you get? A cord. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you get. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can sweep really flat, fast. I just play a bar chord. That's yeah, all I can. exactly. Just play a bar chord. It's actually the fastest sweep you've ever heard. Nice. It's so fast you can't. It doesn't even sound like a sweep anymore. Yeah. It just sounds like a bar chord. But yeah, no, I remember kids that, well, even like I was so interested. I was like, all right, well, I want to see how fast this guy plays. Like yeah. I want to see it, you know, and there's there's always a band like each time we'd play there's always something like that it's like oh this guy's really fat or like there's a specific member that stood out in a lot of these bands right and it was sort of like oh the drummers would come see you know so and so and um the guitar players would want to come in this specific guy so there's always something even on the local level the guys just get renowned in the area or whatever so um yeah that's always interesting to you know think about that way I wonder, there's not much local metal here, I don't think. I haven't I've been, seen too much. I've seen a little touch. bit. I've seen a little bit. I've seen, I've heard of like two bands. One is a, this buddy of mine, Dan, is like, they're just working on like a hard rock kind of metal right. project. They don't have a singer yet. And then there's uh, a band in Eden who does, you know, still, you know, not the kind of death metal we're talking about yeah, here, but yeah. like, you know, hard rock yeah. meets, meets metal kind of stuff i have to imagine it would do pretty well here though yeah like as an example like we uh in iroquois we had four at least four maybe five metal bands in our high school of 300 kids Mm -hmm. Uh, and so like we would just regularly just put on a show on a friday night and just all of us would play yeah and get a couple hundred kids out because there's nothing else to do and it was just yeah it was a blast but that's how we started off playing it was just like oh we've got nowhere else to play so let's just put on our own shows you know once a month or whatever i never Um, played iroquois i think the closest we ever got to iroquois was um well, we played Cornwall. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Where, we, did you go to Murphy's Inn? Um, I'm, I'm probably. Hotel. I don't remember. The place I'm remembering had the bar in it was like central in the room, and then there was a stage with like the front windows were behind the stage, and I think it was facing southbound. I played there with the Nads. Oh yeah. You remember that guy? <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. That's hilarious. He used to put on a whole bunch of shows there. Um, specifically at this Murphy's Inn location, which was yeah. one of the sketchiest motels like possible. And there And that's like, saying a lot for Cornwall. Oh uh, yeah. To yeah. say to oh. say that one place like makes other places <laughs> seem less sketchy in Cornwall. Yeah. yeah, it was um yeah, it was bad because you would have the people living in the motel would mm. come over to the show right. while all these kids are there. Somehow there were zero parents there ever. Yeah. And like this guy, like the guy, the nads or whatever, was putting the show on and there'd be yeah. like seven bands. But like I remember playing there and then just seeing people from the motel coming and just like, just like in another dimension. Like they're just, you know, so drunk or on whatever, come mm-hmm. in and just start dancing in front of everyone. It was just like, <laughs> it was sad, but it was also just, as kids, we're just 
like dying laughing yeah like it was just hysterical yeah i never really got that guy's whole shtick it wasn't for me i half understood what he was going for i think but it was definitely not the right thing for our show but he opened for us he wasn't the one putting on and in this case he wasn't the one putting on the show oh he was just there as the opener (laughs) and then the people who came out were there to see some metal and they were cornwall people and they were not nice to him oh yeah at all they were really not nice to him and he acted like he enjoyed the negative attention may and i don't know whether he genuinely enjoyed the negative attention or if it was just another part of his shtick if I were the guy, I would have played three songs and just gotten off the stage because he was being heckled and booed. Oh, really? And not even in like any kind of fun way. Like people were just like, we hate you, leave. <laughs> you know, and he's like, I want you to hate me. Like, I'm glad you don't like it. And like trying to play with right, hecklers like yeah. that, but it didn't come across in a good way. And it just, it was really uncomfortable. It was yeah, really right uncomfortable to be in that room while he insisted on finishing his like 45 minute long set when like the five Cornwall motel livers were livers were just like, get out of here. You suck. We hate you. We want you to die. You know, it was brutal. I heard that guy. I looked that guy up not that long ago. He like ran for um, local politics no, later did on. He? Yeah. He ran for local politics. I don't know if he ever won. What was his name? Jason, Jason, something. Um, yes. I don't remember his name. You're right. It was Jason. Um, but the reason I remember him is because he played every show. There. Yeah, he, he, like, he wouldn't turn down a gig. Yeah, he didn't played. have to pay that guy to play. <laughs> yeah, um, but he played every show, and I remember meeting because he put on shows, and I'm just like, "What is going on here? Like, who yeah. who is this man? Like, we were so confused, like coming over there for the first time, and we had some buddies out of Cornwall. There was two other uh, metal bands there, um, and we started to play Cornwall a lot. Like that was just you know a couple times a year for yeah. sure we how were, far is cornwall from iroquois it's about 45 minutes right so that was like our first you know our bigger shows we're going out there but they put on a ton of stuff out there um but yeah i just remember the first few times he played and i was so taken aback by what it was i don't even know how you describe it but it was just essentially did he not do more of like the yelling ranting in the song like he was just like a continuous like he would go there i think um like he played when i saw him play i'm i keep wanting to say that he was playing like a little ukulele or something yes but it wasn't a ukulele it was a toy guitar yeah it was like a little toy guitar from i can't even remember if it actually had strings like it might have just had like buttons he pushed on it i can't i'm getting them all mixed up in my brain with like my my child's toys that sit in a basket. <laughs> no, you're not far off. You know, though, like yeah. that's like that's where this thing came from. I'm looking up a picture of it right now. Jason, Jason Ramon from the Nads. Jason Ramon, Cornwall. I really want to see if he ever had any uh, any um, success in his politics. Yeah, I've got some friends from uh, Cornwall. I'm gonna have to ask them about this guy next time I see them. Yeah. Yeah, I can't I can't find much about him. I don't th- he's always listed as Jason Ramon, but I always I don't I, think that's his actual last yeah, name. Yeah, I thought he was just going for like a a Ramon yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> just literally just doing what they did. Um, <laughs> yeah. And anyway, yeah, we played Cornwall and we played some pretty crazy shows 
full of kids in like Winchester. No. Oh, did you? Um, oh, shit. I know what the band was there. There was a really good hardcore band there for a long time. Um, shit. And I can't remember who they were. I don't remember who we played with either. I yeah. Know, I, I, we played two shows there. One was in like a smaller community center. And then the other was in like the arena. Yeah. And the arena show was awesome. There was like a hundred kids there. It was, it's awesome. It was a kick-ass show. Yeah. But yeah. For, I that was the same thing with Iroquois at the time, though, but it was like all these small towns would put on these community center shows and a ton of kids would come out mm-hmm. and it was great. But like, I, I, do not think that's well obviously COVID has changed things but even the last few years i feel like attendance has gone down in a lot of shows i've been to at least yeah. personally in ottawa mm-hmm. um but i don't know that could just be me saying that i'm not sure i'm really out of touch with the ottawa music scene i have like some friends on like the singer songwriter scene these days in ottawa and most most of my musical connections tend yeah. to be in the in the singer songwriter seen these days from from folk to to country kind of kind of area but uh i miss ottawa i was i i I was expecting to spend a lot spend a lot more time in ottawa moving here and then i spent a year kind of more getting settled in town here and thing in and then covid hit i work in ottawa sometimes and i visit my parents in ottawa but i don't do a whole lot else in ottawa i haven't i don't think i've done an ottawa outing since i moved back yeah since eh? i moved back no yeah it's been i went out last weekend just on like preston uh preston street just like little italy just Mm -hmm. going to different patios and stuff but um my i've got a good friend that uh lives off preston street so it's pretty easy for me to go there see it and i you know have a good time out and have some drinks but um yeah i i work in ottawa so i'm there Right. every week yeah. but i'm not sticking around most yeah. uh, most of the time um i'm excited to go to see some football though i'm gonna go to a couple of red blacks games mm-hmm. I like i'm not a huge football fan but i just like going to there the atmosphere is great you just you always drink too much and you have a good mm-hmm. time that's basically what it turns out to be yeah so i uh i always like going to football when i was a kid I'm the same. Like I never, I never follow sports, but I like live sports. I used to go to the Lynx games. Oh yeah, yeah. And I used to go to the Rough Riders games. Nice. I played on the field at one of the Rough Riders games in my Pee Wee uh, football team. Like the intermission, they yeah, bring yeah. The kids we in, we did yeah. a halftime show. Yeah, nice. we were yeah, a horrible team, but we won that little <laughs> scrimmage on the field against the best team in the league. They uh, they never let us forget it. They trounced us every other game, but, <laughs> but we beat them when we were on the on yeah. the field at Lansdowne. We beat them where it mattered. Nice Bel Air, the Bel Air Lions. Mm. Oh, they were deadly good, deadly good. Anyway, any other things you're excited about? I'm trying to think, um, just experiencing or going to, yeah, um, or doing or seeing. Yeah, like I said, I've been trying to go uh, just be outside a ton and, yeah. and go kayaking and explore just all the different waterways around here. That's mm-hmm. been a big part of what I've done uh, recently. Have you done a boat trip yet? No, I have not. Um, I would like to. Yeah, I we see them every day walking by that park and seeing all the massive boats. Um, so no, haven't done that yet. I know that's something to do for sure. I want to do sort of the Perth to Smith Falls trek, which is a 
couple hours, but I would like the to track, do the, I, like the kayak track, like, oh, so, like okay. actually take yeah, the yeah. canal system through there. Yeah. So I'd like to do that. I think that'd be pretty cool. Then you can do the same thing going to Merrickville too, as well. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing I want to do before the end of the summer. Other than that, you know, we've been, uh, well, me and you have been working on some videos, which yeah. has been awesome. Oh yeah. We should plug that right now. Yeah. Go um, see the videos. Just go to YouTube yeah. and search Elmsley. Search Elmsley the River. Yes. Yeah. Elmsley the River. It's on YouTube. Uh, that's where you can check out some of Jordan's music and and a sweet view. So many sweet views. Of oh, Smith Falls. Sure. We got some nice shots. Yeah. That some was, nice shots. Yeah. I helped Jordan with the video. Yeah. Yeah. The drone uh the drone worked well. Lots of drone shots. Yeah. Some good shots of the uh What what is the name of that island? How what do you call it? Uh Turtle Island. Okay, so I hear some people calling it Turtle Island and other people calling it Duck Island, trying to get the bottom what the official name is. I feel like Duck Island is just because there's always ducks on yeah. it. But isn't Turtle Island like the indigenous name for like North America or for Canada or something? Yeah, it does have a bigger meaning. You're right. Yeah. Because um, funny enough, be- um, across from Cornwall's Aquasasne, the uh, yeah. reserve, yeah. and I, we used to play hockey there, and they have a massive, uh, they have the Turtle Dome. Their right. whole, their rink is yeah. in the shape of a turtle, hmm. and I believe it was to do with something like you had just yeah. stated, right? There was some yeah. significance behind it. Um, I was always told Turtle Island. I don't know where I even heard that, um, but I could be completely wrong. I hear different things from different people. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get to the bottom of it one day. Yeah, yeah. And then some good shots at Basquiat Bridge and some yeah. good shots of our, under the water tower. Yeah, for sure. So excited to do, uh, we'll do a couple more and then look to release uh, an EP this fall. Yeah, four song EP, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so that's exciting. That's, uh, I take a very long time to write music. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've had these, a couple of these songs for a bit. So I'm excited to get them done and uh, go on from there and work on something new. Cool. You been to the new Say 2 yet? Um, I've walked by a ton. I walked by it this morning. Um, it's nice. want to go check out the... Yeah, they've got a cool little patio uh, off mm-hmm. to the side there too, which I is super I haven't done nice. the patio yet. I'm looking, to ha- I'm looking yeah. forward to hanging on that patio. Seems busy all the time I'm there. So that, yeah, it looks good. Um, yeah, haven't gotten the chance to, uh, to check it out though. There's been a few other spots that are new that I haven't even checked out. Um, Rocky River Cafe. Yeah, I, I still have gone. to go there too. I hear they, I hear they make a mean uh, fish and chips. Yeah, so there's that place. There's, um, I know Jose wants to go into Willow and Co. I think it is. Yep. There's like a home decor. Yeah, spot. yeah, um, nice stuff in there. Yeah, so there's a couple other new ones that have popped up, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have like that whole downtown strip sort of mm-hmm, fill up with mm-hmm. businesses because there's yep. a few other empty spots that are. Look like they're being worked on. Um, so I think there's going to be some other stuff coming in in the near future. Yeah, there's more stuff popping up all the time. I'm keeping my eyes out and my ear to the ground. Yeah. Well, we plugged your music. Yeah. We've uh, we've talked about this Paddle Fest and Rito Roundtable stuff. I think maybe we're done, buddy. I think we're good. Yeah, yeah. that was awesome. Thanks yeah, it's for been uh, fun. Thanks yeah. for coming out. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for uh, thanks for uh, sharing your stories. Some similar stories, you you and I. Yeah, metal, cross metal, path, metal scene coming into. For for those of you who uh, who didn't expect to get an education on on hardcore metal, <laughs> you're welcome. There you go. You're welcome. Come talk to me and Jordan. We should start 
We should start a new band. Oh, I don't even know if I can. <laughs> That's okay. Play where I, I was. Uh, but, well, just yeah. 30 second songs. That's all I'm after. These just, so just, old grindcore, napalm yeah. death kind of style. That's all we got to pull off. I don't have the endurance for anymore. Yeah, but. only 30 seconds. Yeah. I like that. Okay. That's yeah. a good uh, That's a good model. Uh, 24 songs uh, album, yeah. all 30 seconds. Yeah. 30 second songs. That's perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Look out for that, folks. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Bye now. Cheers. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to episode five with Jordan Hahn. I had a great talk with Jordan. Wow, we talked about a lot of metal. Hopefully not too alienating for people. I don't think so. I think people find metal really, really interesting. They don't always like to listen to it, but they like to watch it. The common term I used to always heard was, wow, it's great, except for the singing or screaming, or whatever you call that. Anyway, what a fun chat. What a fun chat over beers with Jordan. Jordan's got a lot going on. Look out for this guy. He is bound to be a pillar of this town. I'm convinced of it. And thank you so much once more to our sponsors, Smith's Falls Music. Get yourself signed up. Get your kids signed up. We got group classes. We got private classes over at smithsfallsmusic.com. Then you take those skills that you learned and you take them over to Bowie's for open stage. Then once you've done a couple open stages, Pat might invite you to play a new music Friday, right? Get your own show. Then after that, play a new music Friday or two, might get upgraded to the monthly songwriter series, the OAT event, private tables, listening room, can hear a pin drop. See how that works? It's a progression. It's an evolution. You start here, you work your way up. Thanks so much for tuning in folks until next time. I'm Matt Connell, and this has been On Smith's Falls.